<clears throat> Welcome everyone to the Indie Reds podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Joe Dilling. Jim's busy being a professor, so we thought it would be a good time to bring back OLSC Indianapolis chair, Trey Higdon. Trey, welcome back to the pod. Hey, thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure. Oh, man, anytime. We are also blessed to have OLSC Indianapolis vice chair, Brian Smith. Mr. Smith, welcome to the pod. Joe, thanks for having me. I can uh, sum up this last match without using a single word. Are you ready? Sure. There you go. All right. (laughs) Okay, so rundown tonight, guys. We're going to celebrate hanging the first loss on City in the league this season. We're going to look at uh, maybe some transfers, uh, and we're going to look forward a little bit. But first off, we're going to have an opening question. With the Winter Olympics approaching, what is your favorite Winter Olympics event to watch? Mr. Higdon, you are up first. You know, I don't really watch a whole lot of the Winter Olympics. I'll I'll be real frank with you there. But um, I think if I had to watch anything, it would probably be, you know, bobsledding, just the adrenaline rush. And I like to think I could do it myself. But, you know. Jamaica, we got a bobsled team. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Brian, do you watch much of the Olympics? I love the Winter Olympics. I like the Winter Olympics better than the Summer Olympics. So as far as favorite sports, um, they don't have ice football anymore. So <laughs> that's out. Um, you know, growing up in St. Louis, being a big hockey fan, being a, like a second grader during the Miracle on Ice, I still remember that game and remember the, the gold medal game, calling my dad at work with like updates, like every goal. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, uh, Olympic hockey is terrific. Other than international soccer it's probably my second favorite international sport so hockey for sure is great i'll watch all the usa games and uh you know a couple other matches as well and i know i'm strangely intrigued by, by speed skating i think that's cool as hell and ski jumping and the and the downhill skiing and is terrific and bob flood is great winter olympics are awesome I, i'll i'll watch curling every four years it somehow intrigues <laughs> me I, I, and I'm good for, you know, three years and 364 days, and then I'll watch a little bit again. So, yeah, big big Winter Olympics fans here in the Smith House. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Winter Olympics fan, too. Uh, growing up, I always remember watching ice skating, um, whatever. My mom had it on, and I liked it. It was fun and flashy and all that jazz. But I think that currently my favorite uh, has to be half pipe. Um, watching those guys go up and do those flips and stuff like that on snowboards and skis. I just love that stuff. And I also really like downhill, uh, ski racing also. That's, those are up my, up there for me. Um, but you, yeah, I think that's probably going to do it. Yeah, all right. So let's go ahead. Let's talk about this shit that, about this city match. Holy shit. What a match. If you had told me this score line was going to happen a week ago, I probably would have said, yeah, I can see it. Wait, city did, didn't win. It all started in the ninth minute. Firmino fights the ball away from a City player, and the ball falls to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Actually, I think it was Fabian Delft that he took it from. Um, And Ox runs forward. He sees Ederson's off his line, buries it in the back of the net, 1-0 at Anfield. Roughly 30 minutes later, a cross-field ball falls to Leroy Sané, who comes forward and slips it in near post, 1-1 going into halftime. The second half starts with a lot of end-to-end football. Then on almost the hour mark, Alex Oxley-Chamberlain plays a ball into space. Firmino tells City defender John Stones, get the fuck off me, you blue shite, because he's from Everton, and puts it in the back far post, 2-1 good guys. 
Not even a full two minutes later, Salah presses Otamende and comes away with the ball. Finds Sadio Mane, left-footed, upper 90, 3-1 Liverpool! The cop is bouncing. Joe is celebrating on the couch. I can just imagine what it was like scenes at Union Jack Pub in beautiful Broad Ripple. Oh, wait, there's more. At the end of the 67th minute, Salah gets a ball in the midfield line, tries to play a ball to Mane on the left. Ederson comes way off his line and intercepts. He first time hits it like he's trying to pass to someone, but he hits it right to Salah, who chips him, and it turns the 68 minute. 4-1 Liverpool. We can now sing Salah. Oh, money, money. Bobby Firmino. And we got Chamberlain, too. Something like that. All right. Oh, you thought. <laughs> okay, so, oh, yeah. You thought it was Game Reds. You are mistaken. Gundogan makes a nice run into the box. Matip makes a tackle, and it falls to Bernardo Silva, who slots at home 4-2. In stoppage time, Cunaguero gets the ball in the box, chips it to the center of the box. Captain Lovren, yes, I did say Captain Lovren, mistimes his header. Ball falls to Gundogan, who chests the ball down and finishes. Poor defending. The last three minutes of the match were pretty tense, and City had opportunities, but none were successful. Full-time, Liverpool wins 4 to three. We're gonna win for three. We're gonna win for three. All right. So we recently ch- changed up the uh, to, to make this a little bit more conversational, but I'm going to give it a bit more of a structure tonight. So uh, what we'll do is we're going to do this kind of in five parts in this review of the match. Um, we're going to we're going to start off with the first half, then we're going to talk about the second half, uh, then we'll talk about the whole game, if there's any other impressions, um, and then we'll talk man of the match, followed by players that we haven't really talked about, but uh, we want to say something to, to talk about how, how their match went for them as well. So we're going to start with you, Trey. What stood out for you in the first half? What were some of the standout impressions? You know, I think what really stood out to me was, and I think a lot of people say this because he won man of the match, but Ox's performance has just been phenomenal as of late. And, uh, you know, going in, I saw a Optostat saying that in his first 20 matches with Liverpool, he had already outperformed then his 70, what, 76 matches at Arsenal. So he, under Klopp, Ox has just been flourishing and he showed his maturity and the fact that he's able to step up and continue his place and to the point where he's being now referred to into the fab four so i think i mean ox's goal was phenomenal his uh, all of his tackles were great he was pressing where he needed to press he fell back when he needed to fall back i just think he was the shining star of of the reds the entirety of the match so did you uh so do you have any other points you want to talk about anything else that kind of jumped out to you uh, you know, no, I mean, everyone else performed the way they needed to. I think overall the performance is what exactly we wanted to see coming up to a match against city. I think one of the big glaring mistakes was the first goal when Gomez came off this man and he allowed Sonny to get in and shoot a shot. But other than that, I think just midfield, we looked composed, controlled, and just ready to take on city. Yeah, midfield looked really good. Brian, do you have any other impressions that you want to talk about from the first half? You know, first half, Trey was absolutely right. Ox was terrific. But, uh, you know, another couple standout performers in the first half for me were, were his two midfield partners, Chan and, and Wijnaldum, mm-hmm. were both 
fantastic. I mean, yeah. Chan was winning balls all over the place. Genie was was picking up second balls and just you know causing them to to turn and play the ball into areas they didn't really want to go. I mean, we we just forced them to kind of go wherever we wanted them. The, the pressing all over the field was fantastic. I thought Chan and Wijnaldum were outstanding in, in the first half. Uh, even even uh, Lovren, Captain Lovren, which is not a good Halloween costume for any of the <laughs> young listeners out there. Um, yeah, Lovren and, and, and Matip were even stepping up and winning balls. And we were just pressing them all over the place, playing you know, exactly kind of maybe how we kind of dreamed that we would try to play against these guys. And, and you know, City just kept playing the ball out of the back. I mean, I think their, their goaltender had as many touches as anybody in, in this match, or probably more than, the, not, not than anybody, more than most players. We just kept pressing them and pressing them, and even the best was, was yet to come in the second half. But the first half was excellent. I mean, I was a little disappointed to go in 1-1, but, you know, Trey mentioned that, that Gomez didn't play that that, uh, that cross-field ball to Sané very well and, and kind of let that the ball beat him and Sané took on his chest. I thought he recovered okay and, and was in a good position to kind of block the shot. And um, really, there's only two places that I think Zani can score there. And one is to go between Gomez's legs and go far post side netting. If that happens, the goalkeeper just has to, you know, kind of tip his cap and say, you know, well done. Because Gomez was really positioned well to block the shot even after his original mistake. But I wasn't very happy with Karius letting that ball beat him on his near post. I mean, he was in a decent position. I don't think he was giving up the near post, you know, too easily. But his hand movement there was just not very good. I think he went after it with like a closed fist, like he was trying to punch that out. It, it almost needed a, a two-handed palm type thing. And I know Son hit it really hard, and, and maybe I'm a little critical of him, but um, I, I think it's safe to say that you know Gomez didn't play that very well on that goal, and, and, and neither mm-hmm. did Karius. Yeah, I, I think Joel Matip was in on that too when I was watching the replay. I thought he he uh, yeah, I agree. He, he kind of slopped it a little bit. But here's the thing: I watched the zoom out of that ball coming across. I mean, and it was from the opposite side of the field. I mean, we have to look at the fact that it was really super windy at Anfield. I mean, you could tell from the opening kickoff when everybody's jerseys are blowing from the wind. But I think that played a I played I think that played a part in the game as well, especially with Ederson's play. But it, but also if if you want but my point is is that you're watching Gomez and he's marking Kevin De Bruyne right there at that time. The ball's played and then he's he's off his line. He may be a step or two late, but you don't know I mean, when it's coming that far and when with the conditions like that, you don't know really where it's going to go. And I, I think he could have played better. Um, maybe he could have been hedging his bets a little bit more and been been in between the two or something along those lines. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought up until that point, I thought he was having a good game. Um, it was kind of disappointing for me. I was really, I really thought up until that goal that Karius was looking really good and very confident. Um, he comes out for a lot of balls. There are a lot of kind of cross balls they were trying to sneak into Aguero back post. And he, but then you see that that Carius is coming out and picking those off. I don't think you see uh, Simon Mignolet do that. And I hate the fact that we have this keeper controversy. Um, but it sounds like Klopp's going to stick with uh, stick with Carius for the near future. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just I think you guys have hit the nail on the head with the first half. I think the biggest part, point that I took out was the press. I mean, it was press, 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 and City looked uncomfortable. I mean, how how many times this season could we say that City looked uncomfortable? <laughs> I know one guy that looked uncomfortable, and that's Raheem Sterling. Oh my gosh, 
He, well, in that first half, he was not good. Oh no, he was not. Well, I think a lot of it was, and Andy Robertson was all over him. I mean, he's he used was, to he's he, used to these guys yeah. that were pursuing, but Robertson just stuck with him the whole time, and it was awesome. I th- we, we'll need. A, there was, we'll talk about. We, I think I think it, Andy Robertson gets the whole game performance. He's definitely going to be talked about on this podcast. So. <laughs> there was also forty five thousand copites all over Raheem Sterling. You know, so you know, that was good to see. Scott Stewart was saying on their podcast this week. Um, you know, he he gets it like the first time, uh, the first time he goes back to Anfield. But this is like the fourth time he's been back to Anfield. Can we just kind of let it go? I mean, I get it. I understand the way he left wasn't best, but I think uh, I think that some other players have left worse. You know, especially recently. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's the case with most players that leave for a club and go to another. I mean, how much? Shit does James Milner get every time he goes back to the city, or any of our Southampton players whenever we go to Southampton? It's just they've got to expect it's coming, you know. Yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, I think he gets a little eventually. bit more than all of that, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely not deserved. He's kind of proven his spot that he's, yeah, it was shitty the way he left, but it's what's done is done. We're way past that point. Yeah. True. Well, let's let's be honest. Sterling's in the form of his life right now, and uh, <laughs> and he spent all he day in Andy Robertson's Liverpool. pocket. <laughs> yes, he exactly. did. No, I, no, I've got. I have a first half question for you. Go ahead. What do you guys? So we were talking a little bit about it at, at Union Jack, and I'm curious what Joe thinks. And I didn't know if I really heard Trey weigh in on it. What do you guys think about Man City winning the toss and flipping things around and making Liverpool attack the cop in the first half? And most teams don't do that. You know, we don't win. You know. 85, 90% of the coin toss. You know, we, we just don't. Most teams don't flip it around like that. City did. What do you think? You know, uh, I I think it was kind of a smart move, and here's why. Because usually we're used to attacking the cop end in the second half. Um, they yeah. probably thought that it was going to come down, the, a lot like a lot of us did, it was going to come down to late in the game, and they'd rather um, not have the cop in Ederson's ear <laughs> if it comes down at the end of the game so that he can focus a, l- a little bit better. I mean, granted, you're a professional, um, or maybe they did it to unsettle Liverpool. I, I think it's all I think it's all gamesmanship, and I think it's fair, and um, I have no problem with it. What was your yeah, take? It's certainly fair. There's, there's no rule against it. Most teams don't do it. So I, I think yeah. it fires up the crowd from the very beginning. I don't think it fires up the players, but it, maybe it just fires up the crowd for a minute or two. I, I don't know. What do you think, Trey? You know, I think I'll agree with Joe on this one. I think it was more of a morale boost thing, thinking that, you know, if Liverpool goes up in the first half, then the entirety of the second half, they don't have the noise right in front of them. And then. Um, and, you know, Man City doesn't have the noise behind their keeper. It's just more of a attacking game for them, and which that kind of shows in the overall stats. I think the ending possession of being Man City like sixty nine percent and uh, Liverpool thirty one. So during the second half, it kind of showed their strategy kind of worked with Man City going up another two goals in the second half. You know, you bring up an interesting point for me, Trey. And Brian, we'll get back to your your original question real quick uh, here in a second. But but you're looking at talk about possession. How often do we see that lopsided of a possession stat and think that the that the team on the low end dominated the game? Because I mean that that's seriously what it looked like. I mean, yes, City had a lot of possession, but it looked like Liverpool dominated the game. We did. We outshot them by four or five, if, if I remember correctly, and more shots on goal. With only half the ball, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was ridiculous. Okay, Brian. So, what was your take on on the whole flip around? It, it, it I just found it interesting. It just that most 
those teams that win the toss don't do that. And I don't know that it's necessarily strategy. And you guys bring up some good points with the, the crowd and the cop and the, and the goalkeeper. I, I, sometimes I wonder if teams don't do it just out of convenience sake. You know, let, let's just leave the teams where they are and let's go play. And maybe managers don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I don't know. I've never heard anyone really talk publicly about it. But the fact that most teams, obviously, if we win the toss, we're just going to leave it the way it is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, assuming, you know, the other team's winning 50% of the tosses and we're winning 50%, how often do we really get turned around like that because the other team's chosen it? It's, what is it, you know, one or two out of ten times when the opposition wins the toss? It just doesn't happen very often. So, I don't know. I just found it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so moving on, Brian, what, what, do you have anything that really stood out to you in the second half? Like, uh, that we, I mean, we could talk about the goals. We can talk about the play that led up to the goals and even the goals themselves. So, I mean, you can give me five things if you want. What kind of are some of the things that, that uh, stood out to you in the second half? You know, the, the start of that second half was just unreal. In that nine minutes where we just I mean, it absolutely took it to them, completely controlled the game. They were, you know, thoroughly nervous. They were They were rattled. And I'll, you know, first of all, let's, I think I want to give them a little bit of credit in Guardiola as well. They, they came here probably their toughest game of the year. They they stuck to their game plan. They play the way they always play. They play out of the back. They're an exceptional team. They, they pass mm-hmm. the ball around extremely well. Their their back line and their goalkeeper can all handle the ball beautifully, as good as any team in Europe. But our pressing, especially the, for the the first half of that second half, was just off the charts. I think Klopp said that their pressing was like from another planet or out of this world or something like that. It really was unbelievable how much pressure we put on them and how we thoroughly dictated, especially that nine or ten minutes there, where we just absolutely tore them up. I mean, all all three goals came from pressing. I mean, directly from pressing in one form or another. they They were beautiful goals. I mean, even Oxford in the first half, we didn't really talk about it very much. It was a great strike, and I think you know, I don't really fault their keeper there. I just think it was a terrific strike. And then these goals in the second half and our pressing, I mean, everything's going perfectly. I mean, we, our, our midfield is dominating. I, I think everybody in the second half on the field outplayed the, their their opposition number, except maybe for you know De Bruyne was excellent. Yeah. But everybody else, everybody else, the guy that they were up against just was smoking them. Yeah, it, it, it was it was beautiful. It was as good as I. Seen us playing a long, long time. I'm sure we'll get into maybe kind of a talk about some goals. I don't want to kind of you know take over here, but it, it reminded me a lot of some other four or three matches that we had way, way back in the day against Newcastle when I really first started watching this team. And one parallel here is you know, Kevin Keegan was a the manager there, and they were very much an attacking team. They scored tons of goals. You know, maybe not quite like City does, but those classic four or three matches at the infield against Newcastle in the mid-90s. Uh, one was the 95, one was the 96. Very much like this. Two managers determined to go out and attack and play. I mean, what a great match for, for neutrals to watch. What a great adver- or advertisement for for this league. I, I'm sure Liverpool gained some fans after this game, and we just two managers just going after each other saying, this is how we're going to play. And the other manager saying, fine, we're going to play this way. Let's see what happens. It, it was just a great, great game to watch. And I just just enjoyed it so, so much. Now, it, we gave up a couple goals late. And it made it very nervy. But, um, you know, what can you say about the second half? I don't, I don't know that we've had a better, 
you know, 10 minutes in a long, long, long mm-hmm. time, maybe since Istanbul. Yeah. I don't think there's a team in Europe. And I don't know if there's a team that I've seen the last 10 years that could have handled what we did for those nine minutes. <laughs> we, we, we can play like that against anybody. And you can't do it for 90 minutes, but we do that for 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. We can beat absolutely anybody. We just proved it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Trey, anything that really stood out for you um, in the second half? When we can start talking, you know, if you have a favorite goal from uh, from there or a celebration or anything like that, go ahead, man. Whatever, whatever yeah. you want to talk about. Yeah, you know, I'll kind of hit on what Brian said towards the end that, um, you know, we came in with hard pressing during that nine, ten minute span. And, you know, I was listening to Angel Rapp a day or two ago talking about the match itself and they brought up a point that city this entire season hasn't had to deal with what we gave to them um, most of the time their defenders have primarily been unopposed and haven't had to deal with really anyone charging up on them so when you have someone like ox and Firmino and emory coming up on them giving them direct answers they don't have an immediate answer to try to get around them and i mean we definitely took advantage of that as you know, much as we could have, yeah, and, Trey, which is fantastic. Yeah, Trey, you bring up a great point there. That was something that I think I tweet, I, I sent to Brian and uh, and Jim I, before the match was, you know, I think I think we're going to go hard at their defenders. And you know, we've heard all year about how Otamendi, how great Otamendi's been, and John Stones has found his form again, and all this stuff. But, but you, but the great point right there is, have they really been tested? Because everybody's just sat back and kind of hunkered in. You know? Yeah, everyone up to that point had been trying to play, you know, a crossing game, a passing game, not anyone directly challenging their players one-on-one. Um, I think Emre at the end of the match had won every single one of his duels. I don't <laughs> 100% like quote me on that one, but I'm pretty sure stats-wise. Yeah, he I heard that too. The duel. He... I mean, and that's proven a point that he was able to take on all these defenders and midfielders and just you know, dance past them as best as he could. And he did. He was, he was at, he was like next level Emery to me. And, and I, you, everybody knows how big of a fan I am of Emery Jean and what, the way he plays in that team, but he dominated. He played that sixth position, I think better than, than we've seen since heaven forbid. I say Javier Mascherano was at the club. And I thought he played, you know, Mascherano played that spot so well, but I mean, gosh, it was almost like, <laughs> seeing Roy Keane out there though too wasn't it Brian absolutely he was fantastic and, and I I didn't know this until after the match apparently he was sick before the game and, and that's one of the reasons why he didn't play the full 90 so to be not feeling well and to play that good I mean that was remarkable he, he's he generally does pretty well for the big games and is up for the big games and you mentioned you know Mascherano I, I think it might even be better than that I, yeah, it might be the best I've seen in that center defensive midfield since maybe Didi Haman at his very, very best. I mean, Chan was outstanding in, in where did he play an hour or a little bit more than an hour. Yeah, I think it was when 68 came, minutes. When he came off, when he came off, it was noticeable. Milner was, uh, you know, was, uh, I don't know, it was like throwing a, a kid in the lion's den. He, he didn't do particularly well and got beat a couple times. And I think, I know he committed the foul at the very, at the very end that gave him the free kick that caused us all to pee our pants, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, Sean was was excellent, and everything that we did well in the first half, from the midfield and from the strikers, and even from the defense, that just went to another level in, in the second half. And we just, I know they had the possession. I, I'm a little disappointed by the two late goals, and I think everybody's 
you know, thoroughly happy with the three points and, and the, the two late goals, you know, just bugged me a little bit. If this game finished four one, I think we'd all be going crazy like we are now. I, it being four three and, and them having a couple chances late, you know, takes a little bit of the shine off for me. But what what a fantastic second half and what is just a, a, a fun fun game to watch and. It, it was just fantastic. We were going crazy at UJ's for sure. Oh, man. I, I wish I could have been there. I always like going to the city matches um, because I think we always play well against city. I, I think we probably <laughs> – seriously, of all the top six teams, I think Liverpool has probably the best record against city um, of any of them. Bobak was bringing that up. I think historically city is one of the best teams we perform against at Anfield. I, it's like I don't remember the stats, but we haven't – dropped many points against them on the home side. I mean, and we can, not many teams can say that against city at their home field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Since, I since mean, the insurgence of chic money, uh, but right. Exactly. Brian, Brian I do want to get, <laughs> I do want to get back to a point and something I did see going around Twitter and it, I didn't, it didn't hit me until I started seeing it, but you brought up the point that it's, you know, as soon as Emery Jean gets subbed off, that Milner comes on and the game's different and city all of a sudden have a chance. I mean, there are people that are going so far as to say, I don't think it was a, I don't think there was any way that you can't tie the two together. They're saying if Emery John was fit enough to stay on for the whole match, we probably would have won four one. I, well, that that's certainly possible. I mean, we'll, we'll never know. And John was playing extremely well. And I don't think Milner did play well, but um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a, a direct, you know, cause and effect here. I think we naturally, once we got to four one, um, were a little more you know cautious. I mean, during that fourth goal celebration, Salah's goal, I saw Lovren screaming at the team in the in the big you know pile of of red joy that was happening. Don't stop! Don't stop! He's yelling, yep. and I think he's talking about you know keeping the pressure up, keeping the. I don't. I'm a little torn on that. I don't know that we necessarily have to do that when you're up four one. Um, you know, maybe you do that in the Champions League against Maribor when you beat, beat them <laughs> seven nothing or whatever the hell it was. But this isn't Maribor. This is City, whose you know goal difference is plus fifty still, and you know are going to win this league. Um, I would love to have seen this out at a four one, but I think we naturally started to be a little more conservative. And John comes out, Milner goes in. I think there's a couple factors there. I don't want to blame it all on Milner, even though I don't think he played very well. Um, I, Brian, but, you know, you bring up a good point. There, it, it, it was noticeable. You know, you, you said you don't want to blame it all on Milner, and that's fine. But I, I will make one point. I think if Virgil van Dyke's, uh, Virgil van Dyke's playing, it, it's at, at minimum 4-2. I don't think he mistimes his header if he's in the same position as <laughs> as Dejan Lovren and that ball gets cleared and it doesn't fall to gun to one. That's, that's my take. I think that's cleared long before i don't even know if they get that far because i think of the calming influence and the and the dominance of uh you not maybe not dominance isn't the right word but the uh, commanding leadership at the back from virgil van dyke i we've we've seen the guy play one game for liverpool and it was that evident we talked about it last week (laughs) how strong that performance was from him um i i want to talk about my favorite goal first of all uh, is definitely Salah's goal, and I think it was more the celebration because there's this there's this uh, gif going around, and it's of Andy Robertson coming in, and and first of all, it was a beautiful goal, and and there's a 
and you need to see it from the alternate camera angle. Uh, LFC put it out today. I think I retweeted it from the from our Facebook account, but it's like kind of like um, pitch level or maybe slightly above pitch level of all of the Liverpool goals. But you see that after he hits it, he knows it's in, and he just starts turning and running around to celebrate. But then he jumps. And 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 he pumps his fist, but his whole hair moves. <laughs> There's yep. something about it. I just loved. It. He's like going, "Yeah!" And his hair moves, and you kind of see Andy Robertson coming in from the background. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was great. But but Brian, you were saying how how they were talking about Salah um, was saying, "Keep going, keep going." That was something I loved L- about the Lovren. match. Lovren was okay. saying that. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's captain. Goal, he should have yeah. been. But but I, that's yeah, something yeah. I, I noticed and I loved. I loved that they kept going. I mean, you're up four one. Let's let, let's see how many we can hang on them. Why not? You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. And and I and you could see that definitely because they were they were chasing every ball. They were pressing still hard. Still, I mean, hell, we had nine games off, nine days off before this, and we've got another week yeah. before we play again. So why not? You know. Go for it. I, I hear you. I mean, that's the way Klopp plays. That's the way this team loves to play. It's. I certainly enjoyed watching it, and, and I, I don't think we're going to to change. Uh, I, you know, you get deeper in the Champions League. I don't know if that's the right approach, depending on who you're playing against. Mm-hmm. But you know, if we if we can do it against City and get a result, you know, we can probably do it against anybody. So I, 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 I saw a stat, and and um, actually, I, it was I can't remember the podcast now. Forgive me, but. You know, one of those stats that measures, you know, the the number of uh, kilometers ran by each team. Yeah. This distance traveled, that kind of thing. And it, it said, and, and this is single source, so I, I don't know how true it is. And those of you, single source is kind of a joke for us. So send us a tweet or, you know, <laughs> an e- email or something, and we'll tell you about it. But uh, apparently Liverpool outran City collectively as a team by six kilometers. Yeah, Robertson that, ran five of those on his own. But yeah, I think he is still running after their bus back to Manchester. I really think he might be <laughs> Robertson is just to keep chasing them out of town. But the mad I mean, that, that's a that's a huge, huge number. Um, and obviously, we ran more than they did. We pressed them beautifully all over the place, and, and that Robertson went the end was, was crazy. I think it's getting a little bit more uh, attention, you know, kind of from the, the Liverpool. You know, fandom collectively that that I would give it. I found it kind of um, exciting and, and amusing in a way. It's, it's you know, we're up four one. You know, we have our our left back pressing their right winger, then their right midfielder, then their right back, then their center back, then their goalkeeper, then their left back or whatever the hell it was. Up four one. That's un. That's just unreal. And, and of course, Anfield exploded, and, and we all went nuts. And, and he almost won the ball. And that would have turned into a goal. It would have been one of the all time great. Goals in in Liverpool history. It just turned into one of the greatest fouls I've ever seen. I guess but, uh, <laughs> it, it was fun, but you know we're we're kind of skipping over these goals. You, you called um, Joe. You said Salah's goal was uh, your favorite one of the day. Trey, what was yours? I, I'm still going to have to stick with Oxus at the beginning, but Salah is a very close second. And I say that because we're taking these shots now that we wouldn't necessarily take at the beginning of the season. You know, Salah's used to from beginning to now he was taking one or two extra touches and then either losing the ball or sitting it to the side just because he got crowded and now look at him shooting from outside the box over their goalkeeper when he's running forward i think they're just getting a little more not necessarily risky but you know they're taking their chance um with the first goal with ox 
you know, he either takes that shot, hits it, and we all cheer, which we did, or he goes a little far left, and then everyone bitches at him and say, you know, you should go a little bit closer, you should go a little bit more center. So I think it's a double-edged sword, but these are the kind of the shots that we need to start taking, taking more chances, and it's all about that pressing game. And if you're taking those chances, you need to put them on frame, and that, that that's the right. difference in this match. Um, you know, Brian, I'm going to go back and edit. I, I I chose Salah's goal as my favorite because of the celebration and the hair move and stuff like that. But yeah. but honestly, I think all three, actually all four goals were great in their own regard. Um, I really liked Bobby Firmino's second or first goal, only goal, I guess, where he, I mean, he just shrugged. I mean, he, John Stones. I mean, I said it in the in the buildup of the match. You know, get off me. <laughs> you know, he goes in and wins that yeah. ball and hits it, and that was probably that's that was one of the best goals I've seen. I think this season, um, it, Mane's goal. I mean, how many times have we seen Mane? this season try to be fancy and bend one or something like that he hits that ball true with his left foot it slices a little bit if you watch it in slow-mo but he hits it straight upper 90 ederson can't even come close to it it was hit just the way it needed to be i i i don't know if that one is is as great of a goal um to to this to the regular people, but the number of but I think when you add on to it the number of shots we've seen Mane um send super high or you know or he, he tries to get fancy and bend one and it and it goes wide or or is easily or he, he tries caught, a you know? tries a wide open jumping sideways bicycle scissor kick yeah and puts it over the bar you know that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah it, it was an ex- all four girls were exceptional I mean they they were just fantastic and I. I it's interesting that you guys both, you know, kind of Salas or cited Salas and uh, and Oxus, which were both great. I'm kind of torn between Bobby's and and Mane's. And uh, I mean, they, they were all great. Mane's was ridiculous. There, there's one angle from that camera up in the cop, you know, kind of zoomed all the way down to the other end, and they didn't yeah, the show it behind shot. Uh, yeah, they didn't sh- directly behind Mane exactly, and they showed it on replay. At some point in the second half of the match, they did not show it on replay immediately after the goal, which were all great angles. But Joe, like you said it right. He just nailed this absolutely perfectly, and it it, it slices away from a little bit. I, I think he's trying to do that. I don't know if he's necessarily trying to hit the upper ninety. I think he's just trying to sneak it inside the post and, and bend it away from the keeper a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just hit it perfectly. This is he had a great goal with his left foot against Burnley. You know, hit the post with his right foot a minute before that. You know, one thing I really love about that that uh money goal as well if you go back if you're able to watch them extended highlights or watch the match again go back to when we're pressing them in midfield and they're knocking the ball around these little you know 10 yard triangles what watch Salah because Salah kind of baits I think it was Otamendi you know he's waiting for Firmino to press and, and I think it might be Genie that's pushing up a little bit it might be Ox now that I'm thinking about it Salah's waiting knowing it's going back to to you know backwards just waiting and waiting, waiting. And he actually goes down to close out a Mendy at the same time, or maybe even slightly before the ball's played back to him. So when he gets there, the ball is there. Just perfectly done. I'm, I'm going to show my, my boy Owen this. I mean, just talk about thinking ahead and, and anticipating where the ball's going to go next. He closed that down so fast. And the guy's, you know, fast as lightning anyway, which certainly helps. But Salah does a great job to get to get that turnover and, and then play that ball into Mane, who just absolutely destroys the top corner of the net. I'm surprised he didn't rip a hole through it. It was just perfectly struck. But I, I think Firmino is probably my favorite goal just because 
Well, I mean, first of all, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of his, as yeah. you guys know. But that just he went from first of all, it's a good a good through ball by by Ox to, in a, into a dangerous spot. But Firmino goes from a sledgehammer to surgeon in a in a, like a split second, and yes. just sh- completely shrugs him off with this half shoulder, half forearm. I, I think it's closer to a foul than most Liverpool fans are are admitting, <laughs> and especially that the the one angle from. Um, it's actually the angle from uh, the Anfield Road end, yeah, where you kind of see a little bit of forearm extension, and but you know it's just enough to not get called, and so he shrugs him off physically. He's a strong guy for for not being a huge guy, and to switch from that physical play to just that precision chip, I thought that thing was a yard wide when it was in the air and it, it hung in the air forever, and it started to curl. And it hits the ground, you know, with so much spins on it, and jumps left and goes in off the post. And hell yes, take your shirt off when you, when you score a goal like that. Exactly. I mean, it just, you know, that he does that when he has these amazing goals. I mean, remember the the shirt tear off a couple of years ago? I think it was against Stoke that long range foul. Yes. Played, he throws the shirt in the air, <laughs> lands perfectly. He, he had another, he had another great one where yeah, it lands perfectly. He had another one he took it off in a toxic thunder shirt. I think it was against Palace, and he rips the shirt off there after a great chip. You know he's he scores goals like that, Bobby. Just take your damn shirt off. I, I don't care. I mean, he's. <laughs> I, I actually went and looked it up, and I and I think I got this right. You guys know how many yellow cards he has this year for he, people that are worried about yellow has, cards and and, and very, very few. suspensions and that kind of stuff. Very. I think few. it's his first one. If yeah. I remember correctly, it's but, his first but, one. But they so. say he he has he, the most he has the most uh, cards for excessive celebration of anybody in the Premier League. <laughs> It might even be. Europe. I think anybody in Europe since like 2013. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not 20 of them. It, it's you know a, a handful, but he's still several you know three or four more cards away from anywhere near suspension. And as much pressing and as much tackling, as much interception, and as much as he's around the ball, he doesn't get yellow cards for for tackles and for other stuff. And I know center forwards don't go flying in studs up and crazy stuff like that. I mean, nobody really does that unless you're. You know, an idiot Everton player. Unless you're an idiot Everton player. Well, yeah, sure. Everton, Monty does cut goalkeepers' faces open, but yeah. <laughs> you know, Bobby doesn't really get cards that way. So you know, I would love it if he had three or four more of those, and and maybe gets his last one in the last game of the year, and, and you know, doesn't get a suspension for it or anything. But uh, oh, I'd be happy. If yeah, he, Firmino's goal was was my favorite. I'd be happy if he did one in, uh, in the Champions League final, scoring the winner. Yeah, that'll work. Now that wouldn't <laughs> sure. that wouldn't mean a suspension in the Premier League, but no, uh, exactly. That, that's why. You no, know, he's a he's a smart enough guy. That if he gets a card after a, an exceptional goal like we saw against City, uh, you know, I, I have trust him, and I think Klopp does as well. But he's not going to pick up a second yellow for any type of physical play whatsoever. So, um, yeah, just that was my favorite goal was Bobby. So it, it's just I, I love how it was. It's just a mixture of physical play and just uh, exquisite chip okay you so know not to I, mention that i mean the video is going around sorry joe i want to no, no. make this point really Go quick ahead. but uh it was just echoes of fowler against man united i mean yeah video had just been circling around but it's frame by frame almost the exact same play and it's just beautiful that you can get moments like that just repeating themselves in liverpool history and just reliving it for a new generation Two number nines with the initials RF. <laughs> there you go. And, bo- and both happen to be Brian Smith's favorite player at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to get a dog and na- name this dog Firmino just to make up for the Fowler we used to have. Or, or just because, Bobby. Uh, or just Bobby. 
There you go. Damn it, Bobby. I'm going to put a shirt on this dog and teach him how to tear it off when he does something. <laughs> there you go. When he, when he poops in the yard, right? <laughs> well, no, because that's going to be a, hopefully a regular thing. But, you know, <laughs> first time. But, it's a, but that's not a particularly particularly squishy poop then you know <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. we'll do it there we go okay so <laughs> well placed <laughs> i want i want to talk uh, i want to talk a little bit more about um about curious here in this in this section um there, there's a lot of debate going around a lot of people i'm seeing are really hard on curious and we've talked before brian about how um you and i just don't feel like we've gotten a good uh a good grasp on him in the position. I mean, in the goalkeeper position for this. Um, and it sounds like now that he's going to start getting a run of games. Do you think this helps him get, uh, get to be more back to where he was? I mean, he was, he was the second goalkeeper in, in the Bundesliga the summer that we bought him. I, you know, as far as a run of games go, I, I think it's good. I think it's good for any goalkeeper, especially a young one, to to get a lot of time. He's only twenty four. Yep. Um, you know, I, I prefer him personally to Mignolet. I, I don't know that there's a huge, huge difference between the two. I, I'm not even sure if I wouldn't say that Mignolet might stop that shot from Mane just because he's a bit of a maybe a slightly better shot stop, shot stopper, reaction save, that kind of thing. I, I don't think Carrier's played that one particularly well, but I still prefer him over Mignolet and. and and really, here's why. Mignolet's had several years to, to make this number one shirt, so to speak, his. He hasn't been able to do it. He's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. You know, that let, us hand, that let us hand save against Arsenal, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's against Arsenal, right? Why I, yeah. That, that was just uh, atrocious. I'm not saying that, that he automatically should lose a job because of that or that every other keeper would make that save or whatever. I just, it, it's, Klopp is clearly, I think, decided here, okay, Kerry, you're getting some games. And this, this shirt is yours to lose, or this number one spot is yours to lose. Uh, if you play well, you're going to keep it. You know, Mignolet had a chance to to get that that nod in the last several years, and he has not been able to do it. So, why you know why is Mignolet that much better than Carrius? I don't think he is, and I don't understand how how you know others say that that it shouldn't be going this way. I think Klopp's doing exactly the right thing. You know, Trey, I'll get to you in a second, but I, I, you kind of hit something that that, rang, that brought up something that I've been thinking. You know, Loris Karius was a Jurgen Klopp choice. Um, it was it, a lot of people were saying it was down between him and Timo Werner, um, and uh, and so and so, it, it, but it ends up coming down to be Loris Karius, and we were all excited about him coming. I mean, we watched his highlight videos, we saw his spectacular saves. I, I th- honestly think that we would have gotten to see a lot of that more if he hadn't have broken his hand um, and had that long recovery period. And then he just sat on the bench. He, his confidence is shattered. They need to get him in to play more consecutive games to see if we can bring back what, what, we, what we bought. And if we can't, then you know what? I'm, I'm sorry, Loris, but maybe you're, you need to go back to the Bundesliga and, and prove it over there because maybe it's time to move on. If maybe give him, I like this. Give him a run of games. Let's see if we can get his confidence back. Maybe through the end of the season, and then then let's evaluate. Because who knows? I mean, everybody's been talking terribly about certain players at times, and then all of a sudden, you know, they have a really good run of games. They they start playing consistently, and all of a sudden they're back to the the best player. And I don't ever want to sell them, or I don't ever want Emery John to leave on a free transfer. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. <laughs> but but Trey, Trey, where do you stand on this whole uh on this whole carious debate? 
You know, I think you hit the nail on the head that we haven't really seen a whole lot of them since this handbrake. And every time that we have seen them play, we haven't seen the best performance out of them. So I think we're really quick to write them off and say he doesn't deserve that spot. But, I mean, like Brian said as well, Miggs doesn't necessarily deserve that spot either. So I think it's a matter of, you know, giving him, like he said, giving him back his confidence, giving him minutes, and let him build up to that performance and, you know, actually prove himself in more than one game every three or four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, guys, let's finish. Uh, I have a couple more things to talk about in, in this uh, this match. It, it's always fun to talk about the, the big wins, but uh, who was your man of the match? Trey, who, who are you going to start with? It's We kind of text about this on Sunday, but I think it's a pretty equal time between the midfielders of you know Emre, Genie, and um, Ox. They all three just had equally outstanding performances. No, uh, no, no. It's not the men of the match. I know, I know. I think I think I want to stick with Ox, but you know, it's a really tough choice between those three. Okay, Brian, where are you at, man? No, nah, I'm kind of giving you a hard time. And it's extremely, <laughs> t- extremely tough choice. I think I said it, UJ, and I traded a couple text messages. This is might be the most difficult, and I don't go around picking man of the matches, but we talk about it on the pod a lot. Mm-hmm. It's the most difficult man of the match pick I, I can ever remember, I and agree. I'm not talking about a year or two. I'm talking about long, long time. The, the midfield was outstanding. Bobby was outstanding again, all the hard work that he did. I think Ox is an outstanding choice. I think he had more touches than any other player on the field. Had a goal, had an assist on Firmino's, had several tackles. I mean, he was outstanding. So the, he's an excellent choice. I think since he's already been picked, I might pick Genie Wijnaldum. Okay. Um, just because just I think he did much more than I expected him to do. Which isn't necessarily a reason to get a man of the match, but he he was everywhere in the first half and the second half, just breaking up plays, you know, ca- causing City to to not play they wanted the way they wanted to play. He won tons of second balls. He he came in and supported another player that was closing somebody down. He was breaking up passes. Genie was excellent and, and didn't show up on the score sheet. I don't think he. I, mean, I know he didn't show up on the assist either, but he he was fantastic and it just so far above what I expected from him. I'm giving the man of the match to Genie one all. Okay, well, if we're gonna say that has to be, I'm 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 gonna be long here. By the way, <laughs> if we're saying it has to be one of those midfield three, I'll I'll gladly take Emery Jean. Uh, the only knock I had on him was that <laughs> was that he left in the 68th minute uh, to be man of the match. Um, I thought he was spectacular. Uh, we talked about that earlier. I really think that he uh, that he belongs in this team, especially um, if we can get uh, get some more support for him. I'll let him play in that sixth position if that's where he wants to play. But in all honesty, my true man of the match, um, and like you were right, Brian, this is probably one of the hardest things to pick uh, in a long, long time because the team played so well as a team. But I'm going to give it to young Andy Robertson. Uh, he shut down... Raheem Sterling. He got in his head so bad that that he he ends up just giving him a little bump and Sterling turns around and and pushes him and starts getting in his face and uh I don't know if he yeah, he got a card for it, but uh but it was almost immediately that Pep gets him off the field. Uh he probably doesn't want to lose him, but but yeah, I mean we're talking about people that are saying he's one of the best one of the best wing players right now in the Premier League, and he just gets completely shut down by 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 Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson was everywhere on the pitch, 
he was and, and and everywhere on the pitch in the right way, not like completely out of the play. I mean, we we talked about it earlier, but that one where he just goes off chasing that ball, and he's <laughs> and you know, and, and somebody was like saying, "What do you think Andy Robertson's saying to himself or yelling?" And and mine is it has it's like I mean he's Scottish, so it has to be freedom. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, I I loved Andy Robertson in this match. I thought he was great. But I, man, how hard is it to, to go away from that front three though? Too, I, I I can, Mane played well, but I think Salah and and Firmino. I mean, they played fabulous. It's so tough. But so I I'm just sticking with Andy Robertson because I don't think I've ever chose a left back as my man of the match before. That's a fair point. You know, look look at it this way too. The best team in this league, and probably the best team in Europe, has Sterling and, and Sané as their wingers. And Andy Robertson was so good that Guardiola had them switch sides. <laughs> did, did he really? And, we, and he's a, he's a yeah. He Sterling started on the right, and Sané started on the left, and that's where Sané had a, got his goal from. Guardiola had him switch at one point, and and he didn't have him switch because of anything other than Andy Robertson, in my opinion. Yeah, he was that he was that good. <laughs> it was fabulous. Okay, uh, yeah. let's let's go ahead and you know usually we don't have an extended period of time here, and, and I think we, I think we actually got a lot to talk about and about the post match. Um, so so first of all, uh, I, I want to say how classy is Pep Guardiola. The guy goes out and they're asking him questions right afterwards, and the first thing he says is "Congratulations to Liverpool." Um, that is something I don't know if you hear from anybody else in this league. Maybe, maybe Jurgen Klopp uh, depends on what question he's asked. Um, but also, what was really surprising to me, and I, 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 you know, I've I've kind of never really been sold on Pep until this season because um, I. Anyway, that's topic for a different discussion. But but just seeing the way that he's developed this team and how he's how he's such a class act. But the thing for me also is you don't see Klopp going up and 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 giving hugs to opposition coaches. I honestly think that he and that he and Pep. I mean, they have that long rivalry, but I think they're kind of buddies too, and they enjoy playing against each other and and strategizing against each other. Uh, it it was really good to see. I mean, another class thing from from uh, from from city player. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne after the match it was the same thing. He's like, congratulations, Liverpool. He played a great match. Um, and, and, and all that. And Kevin De Bruyne might've been, if, if we give men of the match to losing sides, probably man of the match for city. I think Gundogan probably gave him a, a run for his money. Also, I think Gundogan played great as well. Um, had a really good match. Love to see either of those two on our team. Um, but but let, let's get down to the real meat and potatoes of the post match. So uh, NBC when they when they do their big highlight thing, they have that uh, desk down at the at the pitch. And uh, first off, comes off Alex uh, comes out Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Great to see him out there. Um, he once again everything he says is the right thing. He's relaxed in front of the cameras. I mean, granted it's American TV, but still he's relaxed in front of the cameras and he just has captain material in that regard all over him, in my opinion. But, but then comes out Jurgen Klopp and, <laughs> and, and, and it was awesome. So first off he looks down at the table and he goes, Oh, it's NBC. Oh, America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my boss is probably watching and jumping up and down. 
and then and then they ask him, uh, you know, uh, about the match, and he's saying, you know, from a coaching standpoint, uh, you know, really tough match, really exciting. It was good to see, and you know, typical coach speak. And then he goes from a pa- fan perspective. What the fuck was that? <laughs> and then, and then Arlo White comes in, says, "Oh, I mean, we're sorry about the the fruity language." And 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 he goes, "Oh, I, I thought it was okay in America. Apparently not." <laughs> Easily the best thirty seconds of any interview that he has given since he has become manager, hands down. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, going to be an iconic moment. For sure. So, so if you have the NBC Sports app, you can witness this greatness in all of its glory. Well, all you have to do is what go to the end of the replay of the Liverpool match and just because they they do the goal zone afterwards. Fast forward through all that bullshit about Arsenal and then uh and then wait till you see the pitch side desk and it is fabulous. It is fabulous, it's wonderful, and it brings a smile to your face because your coach drops an F bomb on national TV. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. They announced to him too. I think they didn't just say we're on NBC to, to let him know it was America. I think he's, they said we're live on NBC. They might have, but it, I mean, I missed it. So I, I he, he's either leaving. either way, he he's <laughs> he it clearly too. still so emotionally just high from the match and and just so excited and so happy. <laughs> Drops an f bomb on NBC. <laughs> That's I, I, great. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was. Uh, we're going to be laughing about it for a long time. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I mean, can you see Gerard Houllier or Roy Hodgson or Roger? I mean, come on. Well, let's put it this I mean, way. those guys, those guys wouldn't, you know, drop a beer and spill it everywhere and say a bad word. I mean, it just you've got to love Klopp. <laughs> but 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 if Houllier said it, it would have been like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and he, yeah, he wouldn't he would say, what he said. He would say, "Golly darn," or something like you know your <laughs> grandpa would say or something. The problem was that we didn't, didn't we fucking miss the dope. <laughs> I don't know. That's right. So, what, what the fuck was it? Yeah, okay, that's my terrible French accent. <laughs> Where's so, Jim and we need him? Exactly. <laughs> Jim, translate just to French for us. <laughs> okay. All right. Is there anything else that we want to talk about from this match? Guys, we're, we're almost at, we're at like 55 minutes already, and we've just been enjoying talking about this match so much. Hopefully you guys, the listeners, have enjoyed it as well. Anything else, guys? Just one thing. We're running a little bit long, but th- this match was worth it. It was, yes. it was an exceptional game of football, and, and uh, you know, it was just, just a ton of fun, and, and it was close in the very end, but we got to three points, and... Just what what a great game. Trey, anything else? Or are we ready to move on to transfers? You know, I mean, it's probably one of the most complete games that we've played in a very long time. And, you know, just like you both just said, it has been one of the most enjoyable ones to watch thus far. And I don't think there's really much more to say other than that. I'm just happy to have watched it and, you know, ready to watch the highlights from here on out. Yes. Yes, I, I might even go back and rewatch the match before long. <laughs> I'm watching it right now. <laughs> there, there you go. In the fifty second minutes, fifty third minute, still one one. We're about to just smoke them for nine minutes. So awesome. If I if I doze off or jump around during the transfer talk, you'll know why. <laughs> All right. Not, not doze off. I mean, quit paying <laughs> quit paying attention to you guys. All right, moving ahead to transfers. We're going to start with talking about Nabi Kaita. So late last week, it comes out that Kaita is going to sign for Liverpool and could be a Liverpool player as soon as Sunday. Um, Saturday, he starts for Red Bull Leipzig, and 
everyone is wondering is so is Nebby Kaiser really going to be a Liverpool player? Well, apparently uh, the clubs disagreed on this and he is going to stay uh through the rest of the year and will come back in the or come to Liverpool in the summer. So no Ooh. more yeah, no more Nabi Kaita uh this year guys. Well, this season. All right, so then last week there was also discussion about some mystery man that we had apparently bid for in previous transfer windows previous years, uh but you hadn't seen him in the media anywhere. And other things were coming out this week that that person was indeed Mesut Ozil. So, Brian, let's start with you. Would you want Mesut Ozil on this Liverpool team? Uh, no, I think I'd rather have syphilis. Is that his cousin? No, I'd like to apologize to all our Manchester United friends that do have syphilis. I, I, don't, mean anything <laughs> bad, I don't mean anything bad by that. Um, you know... <laughs> O- Ozil might be first of all he's a talented guy don't get me wrong he's a good player but I think he might be the, the of all the talented players out there that might be available he might be the one that fits Klopp's system the least he, I just don't see where he's going to fit I, I don't think he's he certainly isn't going to replace the front three on a regular basis he's not going to do what Ox just did against City he's not going to run his ass off like we need him to he, it's, I just don't think he's a good fit for this system I, I don't want him Trey, do you want to add in anything on Ozil? I think I don't think he would be a great fit, not because he doesn't necessarily fit Klopp's system, but I think he plays. Oh shit! Hey, Bobby just scored. He just took a shirt off. Sorry to interrupt you. I'm rewinding. I'm watching again. Okay, please continue. (laughs) He plays, and he thinks that he is worth more than what he is. Um, I remember hearing a while back. I believe he was in talks to go to Real Madrid and. He wanted four hundred thousand a week from them, which is just absolutely outrageous. Well, that's apparently what Sanchez is going to get at United, which is silly. It is silly. No player needs to make that much money a week, but <laughs> for him to go to a club and demand that—I mean, Sanchez too, fuck him—but that's just—it's <laughs> silly. All right, so, so yeah. we're, we're live. Hey, we're live on NBC. Watch that. <laughs> Whatever. All yeah. right. Uh, so, so my, my thing on Ozil is, is that. I I remember the the World Cup and the European Championship when he was the best player on any team. Um, he was fabulous there for um, at least four years. Went to Real Madrid uh, and and he played well. Don't get me wrong. And I guess they say Ronaldo wanted him to stay, uh, but you know the, the knock that I always hear on Ozil is that he's lazy, and there is no spot for a lazy person uh, in a Jurgen Klopp side. Um, he's getting older. I I I'm happy with him with him uh showing up for maybe 5 games a year for Arsenal. Good for him. Um but I think that's why nobody's beating down the door for Mesut Ozil or even internationally to bring him back um on a free transfer cuz his contract's up in 6 months. So I I I'm I'm not sold on this. I would not be happy with Ozil. I know that there are some people out there that are saying that it's that it's Wenger that's sucking the life out of him, but uh, is he really doing it for the national team either? I I don't know that. I don't watch the German national team unless it's Euros or World Cup. Also, so apparently Emery Jean is getting a fine. So <laughs> he had everybody's hopes up. Well, kind of. Everybody's hopes got he up. Is so, he is so fine, isn't he? <laughs> so uh, there, there was a, a selfie, uh, a locker room selfie going around of Dejan Lovren, Ginny Wijnaldum, and Emery Jean, who still looks sick as a dog, by the way, in that picture. Um, 
And then there were comments um, from from Sturridge and Moreno, and this is an Instagram post, and they all had to do with money. Well, apparently, uh, the first post from from Sturridge was fine. Uh, I guess that it's been confirmed now that there is a uh, uh, some rules that are set up for the players, and locker room selfie locker room selfies will earn you a fine from the club. So he's gonna. So those three guys are probably going to be shelling out some money. But the good news that came out of this was is that um, Emory John has talked, spoken a little bit to the press. I mean, he's still sticking to his news that it, it still lays with uh, with his management and all of that. Uh, he, he's listening to offers and all, but he's still negotiating with Liverpool. He has not signed a move to Juventus like we have heard before. So, you know, the funny thing for me was that we – that they're some of the same people that we see slating Emery Jean are now after that performance against city saying, wait, 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 no, no, no. He needs to stay. Come on, just give him whatever it takes. Just do it. And these are the people that are saying that he sucked and Henderson's like five times a player. So, you know, pot kettle there guys. Um, and it, so I don't think there's really anything else to talk. We've all talked about our love for Emery Jean and hope that he stays. So let's just stick with that. Also in transfer news, um, Monaco has reportedly said that it'll be 90 million British pounds for Thomas Lamar this window. And, um, and also have seen that LFC is reportedly out of the running for him now. So I kind of, I'm okay with that. I know I told Brian and Jim, uh, in text message that I'd be fine paying that because it's going to be more during the summer. But I think if, uh, I think with that high of a price tag at that young of a, of a, of a player that there's a chance potential that he could be a flop. And then we have lost a lot of money. So if, if Klopp and, and, uh, and, oh my gosh, Michaels, who's the, gosh dang it. Why am I spacing this? Who's the sporting director? Uh, Edwards. Yes. If Klopp, yeah, if, Klopp, if, if Klopp and Michael Edwards are, are willing to walk away from, uh, from Thomas Lamar, then, then that for at 90 million pounds. And I think I have nothing but to support that. Um, the next guy that we've seen pop up a little bit lately is that LFC have agreed to personal terms with Gelson Martins from sporting. Have either of you two watched Gelson Martins from sporting? I have not. No. I haven't either. So okay, Move I haven't on. seen very much of him either. No. I, no, I can't really get excited. I didn't look at his YouTube or his YouTube highlight reel, <laughs> but I did look at the next player, Malcolm from from Bordeaux. Um, I really wasn't super impressed from with what I saw, but uh, if we can take him from, he's supposed to be a big highlight. Uh, I granted I was working and just took a break and, and watched the highlight reel. Um, I, I take it that you guys also haven't probably seen much of Malcolm either. Um, I know the French league, especially Brian's love of Bordeaux. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, I just remember we played him in the Europa League. You were always spelling out Bordeaux and spelling "do" <laughs> like Homer Simpson. Yep. B o r b o r e d o h. Yeah, yeah there are boar and do. Okay. All right, finally, guys. They make good wine. They make good wine there. That's an apparently <laughs> midfielder. So, so apparently, everybody is ready to write off our current crop of goalkeepers, and there are rumors we've talked before about Allison or Allison um, from Roma, but Jan Oblak from um, Atletico Madrid is also getting a lot of press. So 
the the argument is is that um, I've said before that I'm fine with a run of the mill goalkeeper because uh, look at how many championships uh, United won <laughs> with Fabian Barthez. Uh, and there are a lot of other really good clubs that don't have top-notch goalkeepers. And, you know, like, l- let's look at Chelsea and, and how Coutois is supposed to be all that in a bag of potato chips. And they they aren't that much better than, than what we are right now. Actually, we're ahead of them in the table. So we can look at that. But then the counter-argument is look at how much how much David De Gea means to Manchester United. Because where would Manchester United be without world-class goalkeeper in David De Gea. So what's your guys' take? Should we, should we, in the summer, look for replacements or stick it out with what we have? Brian, you want to go first? Sure. I, 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 we absolutely need to look for a replacement. Um, I know there have been some teams that have won this league and, and done extremely well in Europe without you know, a, a top five or even ten goalkeeper in the world. But, you know, we're, we're a team that doesn't give up a whole lot of shots. I didn't really realize this till till this week. We don't give up a whole lot of shots. When we do give up shots, they're generally, you know, kind of high-quality scoring chances. We, we need a top-notch goalkeeper. We've got the top-notch center back now. We have a pretty good supporting cast. I would have no problem with, with you know, trying to find a creative midfielder to replace that, that one guy. But then buying an expensive top-notch goalkeeper – Another center back to add some depth and, and, and maybe, depending on what happened with John, some, some depth there. I want to spend some money on a goalkeeper. I really do. Jan Oblak, 90 million pounds. Worth it. That's too much. Have you seen his highlights at all? Well, I, I've seen a little bit of them and, and of him, excuse me, and I asked um, my boy Owen about him because he, he knows that Atletico. He's, he's still a, a Torres fan. He loves Griezmann. He's got an Atletico jersey, and I played him with the FIFA all the time. I said, hey, how good is this guy? And he's like, dad, this guy's really, really good. Um, and we were talking about it today. I, I actually wish I'd remember how old he was. I think he's mid to late 20s. Yeah. Kind of in that, you know, approaching that sweet spot for goalkeepers. So 90 million is a lot. But in this transfer market, you know, he, he, somebody's going to buy a, a $100 million goalkeeper here soon. Um, and, and we just sold a player for an awful lot of money. So. You know, maybe maybe we go for it. I mean, I I want a new goalkeeper, and I think it's either Allison or this guy. I'll take either one. The one thing I have noticed, and I just watched one video. Maybe it was like a five minute thing on Oblock. He puts a lot of balls back into play. Um, there 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 was this one that leads off this video I watched where he stops a Cristiano Ronaldo thing, and he doesn't even really push it wide. He kind of puts it, pushes it right back into play, and Ronaldo's even making another play on it. If it wasn't for the um, Atletico player defender coming in and, and pushing it just wide, I mean, that, that's a goal because because he's on the ground. So, I, I don't know. Maybe we need to look at a new goalkeeping coach because I've seen some stats going around that um, Pepe Reina, after Pepe Reina, look at the goalkeepers we've had. Um, you know, Loris Karius is the second best keeper in in Germany, and then he comes in, and we're getting what we have now. Um, so maybe it's actually Martin, or maybe it's Attenberg. That's that's the problem, and they need to look at a new goalkeeping coach. So anyway, I I'm not here to say anything on that. I I still I still want to give Carius more of a shot. We'll see how the rest of the season goes before I jump on any bandwagon. Um, but but Trey, you're what trying, do you you're trying to get then? that coach trying to get that coach fired, Joe. That guy's got a family. Hey. Oh well, you know, you know he 
he is the one constant through all of our goalkeeping struggles. I I, I think your idea it, your, it's your not my has idea. It. It's what not think, my Trey? idea. I won't take it. I, I've been hearing that from from lots of people, and it's been going sure. on for at least a year. But yeah, go ahead, Trey. Yeah, no, I. You guys are right. The goalkeeping coach could be the underlying problem between it all. I think there's also a little bit of waning unsatisfaction and like unhappiness coming from Mignolet, um, just because how critical LFC fans are on his performance, uh, mixed with Carius's inconsistent play. You know, if Carius is going to hold the number one spot for right now, and there's talks today rising that Migs might be heading for Serie A, mm-hmm. you take this opportunity in this window, get a little bit of loan money or sell him in this window, keep Carius as one, and you buy a world class second keeper, let Carius get his few games in, you know, if he's not performing at the level we want him to perform, you throw in the big spending keeper that we just bought. I don't know if I'm spending ninety million on a keeper trade. No, not ninety million by any means. <laughs> but you go, you still spend a pretty good chunk of money considering how much we just got from our little magician. Yeah, um, they said that the total from uh, I know I think including Pepe Reina, so then every other goalkeeper that we've bought has not even hit thirty million British pounds, and how much they Yikes. cost the team. Yeah, <laughs> so let let's you know. I, I think Allison was at forty. And or maybe it was thirty, thirty-five, and Oblock's at ninety. Yeah, that. Why not? I get it. Yeah, I heard. Get, I heard wrong. fifty, fifty for Allison and ninety for okay. Oblock. I heard fifty and ninety. So. Okay, so but you know it changes about every four minutes. So, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, but uh, but but Roma, how 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 much are they kicking themselves right now for selling Sadio Mane? Look at the tear he's been on. For as cheap, it, oh, and seriously, how Salah? Salah. What did Salah. I say? I meant Mon, I meant Salah. Yeah. For what, yeah, 35, right. 35 mil? And, <laughs> and we could probably sell them for 200 tomorrow. <laughs> you know, that's part of Klopp's genius. He finds these gems for dirt cheap, and then he just turns them into players worth three or four times what we got them for. Yeah, true. That's, that's finding players that fits his system well and can excel in the way he wants to play. That's just another reason not to get Ozil. Because that's not him, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Salah is a good example of that. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for Transfer Talk, unless there's anything else that you guys have heard or seen that I haven't brought up recently. And I'll take that as a no. So let's go ahead and look forward a little bit. (laughs) The next match, the Reds travel to Wales to play Swansea next Monday, or this coming Monday, whatever, however you want to classify it. So, uh, Trey, what, what are your thoughts on this match? Trey, Swansea's bottom of the league, I believe, or close to it. Well, you know, we should just walk away with the win, but you know how we do with bottom of the table teams. We walk <laughs> in with such confidence and beating our chest, and then we walk away with their tails tucked between our legs. I mean, we just beat them 5-0. <laughs> right, but it would be the most Liverpool thing for us to do to beat the top of the table than lose to the bottom. Yeah, true. True. Brian, what are oh you thinking God. on this? <laughs> I'm trying to find a piece of wood, and I'm going to break it in half, not just knock on it. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm just giving Trey a hard time. You know, we, we have struggled sometimes against some teams that we should clearly handle. I, I think what's going to happen in this game is Swans are going to sit back, play deep, and play long ball against us. Uh, they certainly don't want to invite the press that we had and try to there's they're not even going to come close to playing out of the back they're never going to take a goal kick sideways to the outside of the box to one of two outside backs that are standing there waiting like city did 
you know, Swansea are, are going to just launch the ball upfield every chance they get, try to get a, a, a lucky bounce, a set piece, a corner, you know, who knows what. I, I don't think it's going to be a particularly pretty game. W- you know, we get a lead in the first half. I think we'll get a second goal in the first half, and, and, and we'll beat them. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe a, maybe a three or a three-one. Three nothing, three one, something like that. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, I don't predict scores typically um, because. Oh, well, I did. That's the point. I know. I'm just talking about me. Um, I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I'm thinking Swansea's not just going to sit back and defend at home. I mean, it's at home. You know, the only team that does that is Manchester United and, and maybe any Tony Pulis team. He's not their coach, is he? <laughs> Tony Tony Syphilis? No, yeah. <laughs> no, his brother. Okay, so uh <laughs> so yeah, I, I I'm gonna say a, probably a Liverpool win on this. Uh and maybe they should have kept Bob Bradley. Okay, so <laughs> five <laughs> five days later, West Bromwich Albion comes to Anfield in an FA Cup match. Are we gonna see a f- game of football or are we gonna see a game of kickabout? Brian, we'll start with you, bud. <laughs> Oh, it, it's definitely going to be the, a good game of football. I, I think, I mean, Steph at Cup, West Brom will probably be up for it. You know, the home crowd will be up for it. If, if we beat Swansea, we'll, we'll hammer West Brom, and I, I think we're going to do both. Great. Trey, anything you want to add in? Uh, you know, West Brom, I don't think will be an issue for us. I think if we're looking back at Swansea, I know you guys said 3-0-3-1. I think we take a 2-1. Uh, just we save some of our players in the second half and – Throwing forward with West Brom. Yeah, I, I like what you say there. I think that Klopp's going to vest heavy in the FA Cup this year. I think that's his chance of seeing, um, most likely seeing Silverware come to Liverpool this year, um, if, if not the Champions League. Yes, I did say that, and I'm just going to forget about it here, and nobody take that as a jinx. <laughs> um, and, then, and then we get back to to our, our three-day games, three days before the next game, which we all love. <laughs> Uh, because it means more football. Uh, so then we then we play Huddersfield. Um, I'm not really ready to look forward to that. I want to see how these other two matches shake out. Are you guys kind of in the same boat as that as well? Yeah, it kind of depends on you know how gassed we are from West Brom, whether or not they show up or not. But um, you know, with uh, Swansea, West Brom, then Huddersfield all within a couple days span, I think it's best to hold off and see where we're at after two games. All right, Brian, anything but Huddersfield? Uh, Huddersfield will be the fourth consecutive win for Carius. All right, there we go. Okay, so let's move on. Start wrapping things up. We're going to start with our little bit of plugs and non-plugs. Trey, you're up, man. Anything you want to plug? Anything that you want to say sucks? Uh. Nothing that sucks except for, you know, everyone that's listening right now that hasn't bid on a uh, full team signed raffle jersey that we're doing right now for LFC Indy. Shame on you. You still have your chance. (laughs) Uh, Visit our Twitter page at LFC Indy, all one word. Again, we're raffling off a first team signed uh, Mo Salah home kit signed by every player and everyone with the technical staff. The only signatures that it's missing at this point is Virgil Van Dyke's. So, um, you know, for the price of two pints, you could own a wonderful piece of Liverpool history at this point, since it's a 125-year kit. So, you know, there's that. And, you know, I'm going to sit here and plug my sucky personal Twitter page where I just talk nothing but Liverpool and Indy 11 for the most part, which is just Trey. <laughs> yeah, it's Trey Higdon. Uh, that's 
T-R-E-Y-H-I-G-D-O-N. Uh, give me a follow and follow the nonsense. Trey, Trey you also uh, you also show workout videos. <laughs> yes, I do. I do a lot of uh, juggling. I'm pretty full of myself when it comes to juggling the <laughs> soccer ball. I usually take 30 like seconds it. of a half hour segment. So that yeah. real workout video. Yeah, 30 seconds is great. Go to, go to slow-mo in there every once in a while, too. Yeah, look at me. I can spin around. When I yeah, there it is. Just show off a little. <laughs> All right, Brian. I want to you with now, plugs Trey, and unplugs. Trey, I have a qu- I have a question for you. So this, this is a uh, it's a this jersey. It's a ten dollar entry to get your name into the hat, right? Correct, so to speak. And um, if, if just to clarify for everyone, the, if um, proceeds are going to go to charity, right? Yes, that's correct. The club OLC will see zero percent of the money in their own pockets. All the money goes directly to a charity, which is to be decided. Um, we're thinking local the Indianapolis area, but could be something more LOC foundation funded. Uh, that's a vote that needs to be decided on, but it will go all to charity. Awesome. Oh, I agree. Awesome. Brian, anything yep. you want to plug or non-plug tonight? Um, just, you know, I had a great time in, in Union Jack. We talk about them a lot. And I think if you made it this far into this podcast, you probably watched a game with us there. If you haven't, uh, you know, please come out to Union Jack and, and Broad Ripple and, and watch a game with us. A huge, huge crowd for the for the city game. A lot of people I'd never seen before. Uh, a, a baby that was less than a year old in a Liverpool kit, which might be one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, families, couples, single folks, younger, older kids. I mean, it's it just it's a great group. The the Liverpool supporters club and, and even casual supporters here in Indianapolis come out to Union Jack and watch a game with us and just, just do a great job out there. Great food, great beer list, always a good time. So, uh, check out the, the Twitter page that Trey mentioned and the, uh, the pages, then the, the Twitter feed that, that Joe's going to mention here in a little bit for, for more information. So want to say uh, Hey to the, the two red gringos fellas that are doing a podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon. I'm sure. Cause uh, we've been trading some messaging with them lately. So those are my two plugs. I've got a non-plug for Mr. Martin Tyler, who I really used to like back in the day. But I don't know if you guys remember his when he called the the uh, Merseyside Derby in the FA Cup game, and Virgil Van Dyke scores the winner at the cop end on his debut, you know, in the 85th minute, or whatever the hell it was. And and you thought that Martin Tyler would have been just like you know reading the dictionary at the library out loud or something. It was he was the least excited I've ever heard anybody for a big goal ever. And I think he got some criticism for that. And his calls of the, the four goals against Man City were really great. So that seems like a weird non-plug, but I, I think he, he's starting to realize he has like an anti-Liverpool bias a little bit and maybe overdid it in this particular game because he's screaming and yelling and going all crazy for these Liverpool goals. Hey, they were great, but uh, you know if you have to fake it, you know don't do it. We, us married guys get enough of that as it is already. So we don't need it from Martin Tyler. Oh man! All right, so um, I'm gonna give a plug out, and mine mine is to uh, announce staff also. So you guys probably didn't hear this because you were uh, at Union Jack for the game, and you know we usually don't get to hear the announcers much. Uh, but but we had we had Arlo White, Lee Dixon, and Grandma So in this match, and when it's four two, one of the guys, I, it was either Lee Dixon or Grandma So, and I think it was Lee Dixon. Anyway, he goes, "Oh, that's gonna that's it. The, if if." Uh, if City come back and make this a game, I'll walk home. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> City makes it a game, and then towards the end of the match, you hear him say, oh, I don't know, I was preparing to start walking home. <laughs> so at least he knew what he said, remembered it, and was able to make a joke about it. So that was pretty good. <laughs> yep. It was funny. Um, not Nonflag, I don't know, maybe... Uh, you know what? Let's stick with announcing. So as I'm watching Goalzone, uh, the number of times that Rebecca Lowe had to apologize for the quote-unquote fruity language, um, yeah, not not really. Uh, I'm sorry. You know what? He dropped Fuck an that. F-bomb on TV. Fuck it. <laughs> I w- actually, I think I would love to hear Rebecca Lowe drop the F-bomb say fuck it. <laughs> that, that would be pretty awesome. I'd make that a ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> all right so all right thanks trey let's start finishing it up so thanks trey for coming on it was great to have you uh, back tonight thank you so much for having me it's been a blast being on here with you guys again. <laughs> hopefully hopefully you got some laughs uh and non-syphilis related laughs also <laughs> speaking of syphilis <laughs> brian thank you for coming on <laughs> uh, always a pleasure um you know it's VVD is so close to something else. It I so is. It so <laughs> is. All yep. right. And I want to thank you fans uh, for, for tuning in, or even if this is your first time listening, hopefully uh, hopefully you don't hold it against us and you come back next time. Uh, we had a blast doing this one, um, and I hope you did as well. If you do like what we do, please take the time and write a review at whatever uh, form you listen to this from. I know we're on we're on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, um, Spotify. So any of those, you write a review. Apparently that helps people find us uh, when you actually take the time to rate us and review us. So if you could do that, that'd be great. We do read your reviews. So if you wanted to hear me say something silly, uh, put it in the review. Um, and maybe Brian has syphilis is the title of your, your review and I'll laugh the whole time through it. <laughs> I, I would, I would laugh as well. <laughs> okay. So anyway, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always email us. The email address is indyredspod at gmail.com. Once again, that is indyredspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at indyredspod. Once again, that is at indyredspod. So that's going to do it for episode 33 of the Indie Reds podcast. What the fuck was that? I'm Joe Dilling signing off. You'll never walk alone. Sala. Money, money. What porto for me, no? And we so coutinho. But that don't matter at all, actually, because we've got Sala. Aha, money, money, do 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 do. And Bobby for me, no? But we so coutinho. But we've got Sala. Aha, money, money, do 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 do, and Bobby for me, no, and we so Coutinho, but we've got Salah. Aha, money, money, and Bobby for me, no, but we so Coutinho, but we've got Salah.